And we are live. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am one of your co-hosts, Blake Rafino. Alongside me is the greatest long snapper in Rhode Island history, Joe DeLeon. Good morning, Joe. How are we doing? I'm doing great. By the way, I keep thinking this as you've been introducing me with that. That is going to be really outdated in like a season because there's a kid now that's going to go to the NFL. So I'm going to hang on to that as long Just as I can. Just because he goes to the NFL doesn't mean he's better. I, I would ask, argue it does. Let me ask you a question. Who's the better quarterback, Tim Tebow or uh, Rex Grossman? Well, Tim, Just Tim, because Tim Tebow Grossman had a better co uh, NFL career doesn't make him the best college player. Then see, see, but that doesn't work for long snappers though, because you have yes, to have a does. good you have to have a good college career to get an NFL opportunity. Did you did you suck? No, I was good. I was just a okay. Mess. Well, then, or like uh, Donato is his name, who's there right now. I coached him up, so I I'm proud of the fact that he's going to go to the NFL. Oh, so basically, he would have he would have never sniffed the NFL without you. That's what I'm hearing. Sure, let's go with that. I, t I tell okay. myself that every day. All right. Well, that's good, and a little <laughs> uh, uh, a little cocky. Anywho, <laughs> extremely. Anywho, big show in store for you here this morning. Uh, Joe, some big news: the Carolina Panthers, which I'm going to be humble even though there's vid, uh, 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 picture evidence about this but nevertheless um the Carolina Panthers trade up we're not going to talk NFL I think where our debate's going to be who would you take CJ Stroud or Bryce Young or Anthony uh, Richardson it's not happening <laughs> I know it's, I know it's just not happening I had to get that in once and by the way I don't mean to cut you off with this I almost texted you yesterday and said should we start the show off with talking about if Anthony Richardson could be a Carolina Panther, like dead serious. Let me just say this. If Anthony Richardson is taken number one by the Carolina Panthers, Billy Napier should be fired. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's good proof of it. And there's but a then reason you say Rudy Pooh stuff like, well, I still think it's bombastic that you that you would put Anthony Richardson in Wait. your draft in the Wait. first round. When you Wait. sat here all month long, the last two months, saying, oh, Anthony Richardson. I To clarify that point, and I wasn't going to get into, you know, have a whole diatribe on, on Twitter about this. What I said on this show is that Anthony Richardson has the talent to be a top five pick. And talent good enough. and traits are two different things. But they're the same thing. They're not the same thing. Okay, regardless, he is good enough. He is a good enough of a prospect to be worthy of the first overall selection. However, I consciously would not select him first overall. It all depended on who had the pick. So if the Indianapolis Colts might have traded up or the Seattle Seahawks or the Detroit Lions traded up who have a different settled situation, I would have argued Anthony Richardson could have been the better option. But right now we know, and we're going to get to this, there's a reason why we're not even going to talk about him, why he's not even in the thumbnail, because the Panthers need somebody who's a little bit more ready to go right now um adam b in the chat says he's great value cam newton i'm gonna be honest i think he's below that i think he's the dr pib of quarterbacks dr pib i come on he's i how look, about I, this how about yeah. this how about this mm -hmm. cj stroud and bryce young have more playoff touchdown passes than what Anthony Richardson has in his career combined. Anthony Richardson has played 10 games. He's played he hasn't played 10, 10 games. He hasn't played 10 games. He hasn't played 10 games. Started he, 10 games. He, 
he hasn't just started. Well, started yes, but played no. I mean, he's he played in in twenty twenty one. He he had a massive amounts of snaps. He played yeah. the full game against LSU, pretty much. He's played against he's played against opponents like this. Isn't like let no uh uh-uh. uh. There, there's no way that you're only supposed to have like CJ Stroud. How many playoff games did he have? Two. He had two. How many did Bryce Young have? Two. Yes, he had two as well. Okay, so in four total games, they have more passing touchdowns in the playoff game than what this kid has in his career. So, again, we'll debate this. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. We'll we'll debate this. But stop the cap, as the kids say. Stop it's, the cap. Yo, there's, yo. there's no cap. There's talent. I There's nothing wrong with taking a shot uh, on talent. Talent is different than traits. Joe, I can have the biggest arm on God's green planet and, and not be a good quarterback. Just because that's one trait that I have doesn't mean that it's talent. Here's why I'm optimistic. Example, I can I can have the I could have the weakest arm of all time, but be deadly accurate. Is it a trait or is it talent? That's a trait. Then what's Anthony Richardson because he's got a big arm and he's inaccurate? But that oh, tra- wait, wait, wait. Oh, that I, trait I, I is not as play, I don't know if you play chess, but in the world of chess, that's what you call checkmate. That's not a checkmate because that trait is if you have no arm, t- like if you can't complete a pass further than 25 yards and you have trouble throwing the ball deep downfield, that's not useful in the NFL. What is harder to find. Accuracy is more coachable. Touch is something that can be coachable with a great athlete. That's why I'm excited about somebody like Anthony Richardson. The issues that he has are all correctable. They are correctable. And the reason why I love him is that he is a player who has shown a natural propensity to play the position. That's what I want. He is no, not he awkward. Hasn't. Will Levis is awkward. Will Levis is not, not a comfortable with the Will play. Levis comparison. But that's what the debate is. It's who's it's the third not guy. The de- not the debate. When that is. You, hold, when have I ever brought up Will Levis versus versus Anthony you, Richardson? You, you haven't, but that's the draft I debate. don't give two Rudy Poos what the grandma at McDonald's has to say about <laughs> Anthony Richardson versus Will Levis. I know McDonald's isn't doing draft grades. <laughs> well, I don't care that you're, you know, like these old dudes in suits have to put tough acting to knacking on their feet and want to talk about Will Levis versus Anthony Richardson. It has nothing to do with Will Levis and everything to do with Anthony Richardson. Stop with the cap. Stop with the comparison because Will Levis and, quite honestly, Anthony Richardson are the same human beings. And quite honestly, quite honestly, I can make the debate that Will Levis is more ready to go now than what Anthony Richardson might ever be. Now, stop the cap. Hush. Because we got more we got to talk about, Sorry. you Rudy Pooh. Sorry. Sorry. God. You started this. It. Actually, I, I started this. Started. You I started. started. You always started. You got my blood pressure up. God, dog, it's not even 10.05 a.m. Uh, it's a good note to start the show off, though. We got, we got no, the energy you coming make, in. you make me have indigestion, <laughs> upset stomach, diarrhea, hashtag Pepto-Bismol. Okay. That's why you keep me around. I, I, no, I, I'm about I, to fire you. <laughs> well, all right, so nevertheless, uh, uh, Dylan Riola, the number one overall quarterback, so, so since we're speaking quarterbacks, uh, some interesting turns. Uh, could he be heading to Nebraska? We'll talk about him as a prospect and what is the future for Nebraska yep. in, in the landscape. And we'll get to your question. So our mailbag segment, mailbag segment on Saturdays. So fire in your questions right now. Put hashtag either ask RJ or what you want to do. I don't know how you want to do this or hashtag mailbag. 
Got questions, got thoughts, put them inside the chat, and we'll get to every one of them at the end of the show uh, here today. All right, let me take a break because, Joe, you're really got my blood – like my blood pressure is – I need some air. It's over 200, yeah. Um, You literally are giving me a heart attack. (laughs) All right, so let's do this. We'll talk about C.J. Stroud versus Bryce Young uh, coming out of the break, but let's talk about our good friends over at BetOnline.ag. If you're listening to us live right now on Facebook, stop what you're doing right now. Hit the like and share. Share to all of those Facebook groups. Share to your own social media pages. If you're listening to us on YouTube, like, subscribe, notification bell. We're still giving away $200, so you need to go and subscribe and hit that notification bell. Wherever you listen to podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe, we appreciate you doing that. All right, let's talk about Online. We're back in 50 seconds. Who are we going to take? C.J. Stroud versus Bryce Young next. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first-to-market odds in lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live in-game betting props and futures. Head on over to BetOnline today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag, BetOnline.ag. Very fitting. I I changed it up on you because I think it's more fitting to do that coming out of the break versus uh, this nonsense. We're back. The basketball team's back. <sighs> kind of. Let, let, me, let me just say this very quickly, okay? And we don't talk uh, college basketball. Maybe we'll talk a little March Madness because it's always fun. If we have some time, we'll just talk about it. Yep. They fired a coach who's the case got dropped, and now he's going to Ole Miss. Uh, this is what the, Chris Beard. I, I, I get it. Like, I, like I get it. I have a, I have a wife, and I have a young daughter who's four months old. And I promise you, if you ever put your hands on her or any one of them, you're gonna get clapped. The bottom line, though, Joe. Okay, she literally provided proof on herself, the the victim, that she was lying. Chris Beard was literally out of town when this happened, allegedly. Oh my God! So, so I, I just Texas, you're wrong. Okay, so this is why you say due process. It's like the Jalen Carter thing, right? Like we talk about the Jalen Carter thing all the live long day, and everybody's like, "Oh, well, he left the scene." So you're trusting the the uh, Atlanta Journal Constitution. You're yes. you're literally trusting the Atlanta Journal Constitution over somebody that was on the scene, and he wasn't arrested on the scene. And, and frankly, not to take this down like a long path, but like local journalism and journalism like this is so underfunded. It is at a historically low underfunded rate. The quality of reporting that they're doing is not the same that they did in the 1980s and the 1990s. It stinks. And that's to your point where there is a lot of misreporting. There's a lot of misreporting by people that don't understand how things work. And again, always wait to see how things break down. I got to say, when I did that show with you, 
put a lot of context in how you need to really, really do your digging on stuff because you can't just trust. Well, Joe, I don't mean this in a wrong way. And, I, you know, I came into this business breaking news. That's how AYS got their start. Yeah. That's how you got it. That's how you have to look at it. Like when people say, well, what is Adam Scheffner? What is uh, Ian Rappaport? What does Woj do? I, I gave you a pretty much an idea of what it is on a day-in, day-out basis, okay? Right. It, it is an outright grind. Let me tell you a quick story, and then we'll get to the C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young stuff. So the Friday that Ed Orsron, or, or let me, but the, the before Ed, Ed Orsron got fired, uh, technically on a Sunday, the, the week that they played Florida, I got a phone call at 12.30 a.m. Or, or, or 11.30 p.m., excuse me. It lasted until 12.30 a.m. Uh, and that Friday night said that Ed Orgeron had been fired. Well, who do I call? It's 12.30 at night. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, truth be told, you still got to make those phone calls. So then Saturday morning when I did my show, I'm like, guys, it's not good. Like, there's going to be some news tomorrow that I think that everybody's going to look at and be like, okay, well, here we go. And then you go down the path. Joe, my wife woke up at 4 a.m., okay, because she heard me on the phone and was thought something was wrong. I, I'd literally stayed up for probably 48 hours straight, almost, because the next day you got college football, and then you don't know if Ed Orgeron's getting fired. I mean, so when you talk about stuff like that, the dudes at Atlanta Journal-Constitution, are they staying up that late? Because when you you got to get it right. You can't get it wrong, okay? No. And so you got to find out everything that's going on. All right, let's transition here. So yesterday, if you missed it, uh, Joe, I, I'll just say this. I had texted a couple people. I sent it to you as well. Uh, on February the 5th, okay, now clip this, because, and we have the proof if anybody wants to, you're an eyewitness to this. On February 5th, I started hearing rumblings that the Carolina Panthers was putting a package together to go and get the number one overall pick. And the consensus was then, and I think still is now, that C.J. Stroud may be the number one overall pick over Bryce Young. Here's what I know from the guys that I talked to around the Carolina Panthers and around the NFC South, is that when they look at C.J. Stroud as a prospect, from every bit, they think, okay, well, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud had a lot of the same kind of career, right? Like, they had the same amount of passing yards, touchdowns, yards, Completion percentage is almost the same, but what was the difference? And I think that when you talk about C.J. Stroud, now here's your trait thing. This is where traits come into a big, big deal. Mm-hmm. C.J. Stroud is a bigger dude. He's a heavier dude. And quite honestly, they believe that he's a better overall passer than Bryce Young. Now, let me just let me preface this by saying I'm not saying that I, I agree with that, but here's what I do know. The second-best conference in the country in the Big Ten, C.J. Stroud in 21 had a 72% completion percentage, and this year he had a 73% completion percentage. This year he only had 3,600 yards, but the year before he had 4,400. He had both years where he threw over 40 touchdowns. So in a career where he only has 12 interceptions, he has 80-plus touchdowns, he's highly accurate. What people were mad at is that he didn't use his feet as much. Well – Quite honestly, he wasn't the reason that they lost to Michigan. Their defense was really bad, too. So I think that's where they're coming from. But here's my thing and where I would would sit with this about Bryce Young. It, it's like the movie Draft Day, and I know that you tweeted this out about Stetson Bennett. Stetson as a, Bennett, as a no matter movie. what. 
No matter what, here's my thing. There's no no matter what quarterback in this class to me. No. And where I think that you got a lot of good quarterbacks and a lot of quarterbacks that are either projects or just like you mentioned and, and how we fight over semantics, there are a lot of talented dudes that have a lot of talented traits that you can really work with at the next level. But this is the number one overall pick, and you are you moved up that much and gave away that much for C.J. Stroud, what it, what it would appear. Now, my only thing with this is it's going to be the Justin Fields effect, okay, is that he's not going to have – you trade away his best wide receiver. But I, what I want to take this conversation is C.J. Stroud versus Bryce Young. Who is the better quarterback? Because – I could easily make the argument, even though Bryce Young didn't have a better completion percentage, even though he had one year that was better and the second year he got hurt, who is the better overall prospect? Who is the better quarterback? And then not only that, who is the better quarterback in college, in your opinion? So the funny thing about this, and you you kind of led into it, that when you pull both of these prospects and you pair them, if you molded this into one player, this would be the perfect quarterback prospect. Because with Bryce Young... You get a guy who is you gave Bryce Young the height and weight. Yes, it's over. And the arm, the arm, everything. It is an elite you quarterback think that project. Stroud has a better arm than Bryce. Yeah, CJ's the more natural thrower. And I, I think agree. that he's got a bigger, a, a slightly bigger arm. He doesn't have the biggest arm in the class, but what we saw at the NFL Combine is a guy that is just a very natural, easy thrower to the football. Right. That I think might be enough for a, a team like the Panthers to take him, but. The two sides of the coin here are the smaller, less physically um, built quarterback is Bryce Young, who still has a, a cerebral approach to the position, the best reactiveness in decision-making. Like, he has elite decision-making. That's why that completion percentage is so high. It's not because of a scheme that set him up for it. It, it was a strong scheme, as we've talked about on this show. And this but, is C.J. Stroud you're talking about. No, I'm talking about Bryce Young. Okay. Bryce Young has shown an ability on a play-to-play basis, to make the right decision, to make it quickly, to be decisive, to always find somebody to make a play and to get the ball out. I know that there were some bad games throughout his career, but I have felt in some of his worst games, and LSU was one of the ones that I watched when I did his evaluation, despite everything he, that he dealt with which, in that which game. One? This past this past seasons? Yeah, he okay. got hit so much in that game and had so many incompletions, and despite that, maintained the best composure. Now, the problem with Stroud, despite being the more physically gifted player for everything that we've talked about here, the size, the arm, all of that, he doesn't have that same level of demeanor yet. He doesn't have it. Did he, he show shows, it versus Georgia? I thought he showed more of it. I think that he showed that he has it in him, but he has all those other games before Georgia. That's the thing, is what have you done before that Georgia game? We have enough tape to pull and say, he is indecisive. He does get rattled when he's pressured and attacked often by opponents. The Northwestern game is a weird one to pull as a good example because he couldn't complete anything in, in bad weather conditions in, in, and getting context, hit off. It was 24 mile, twenty-four to 30 mile an hour winds. I but mean, if there's other like if he goes to play in a in a a environment that has consistently bad weather. And like Carolina's not going to be perfect weather. He needs to be ready to play in bad conditions. You know, like it's it comes with the territory. Carolina's got some good weather, dog. They have all four seasons. Bes besides the 
besides the point, the other thing with CJ Stroud. When's the last time you've seen a Carolina Panthers game and it's raining outside? That's a good point now that I think about it. Mm -hmm. My main point here with CJ Stroud, I think he's not as decisive. There are oftentimes a lot of issues where I see him holding the football way too long. I see him. It feels like he's a step slow. And the, the issue that comes with that is he played in an offense that was so easily set up for a one read and go. It is set up, and this is the issue that we have with Justin Fields now in the NFL, is that once that first read isn't open, a lot of these Ohio State guys do not know what to do with the football. And that's where I have some concern and some pause where I have trouble picking which guy I want, but I have Bryce ranked slightly higher, trying not to count too heavily on the physical size differences. Here's the ultimate question for me. Is Bryce Young clutch? Yes. When? Obviously, the issue that he had against that, if it takes you that long to answer, then you don't then know. Well, he got he got them he got them back into the LSU game. He got them back into the Tennessee uh, game. I don't, agree with, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. He got bailed out a lot. He the, so on third uh, on in the third quarter there was a face mask call. Okay, that that he didn't complete. So they got the first down. They would go down and score. By the way, they ran the ball four straight times and scored. It wasn't okay. on Bryce Young, okay? Then you get into a situation where they go into overtime. He doesn't throw the pass in. He's he's at 50% completion percentage, okay? The running game kept them in that game. Jamar Gibbs and McClellan and those dudes kept them in the game. Now, I showed this last night, okay? And you could say that – you just stay with when I say this, just stay with me because I want to okay. show this to our viewers. So I did a film study yesterday of that of that same exact game. Okay, because I knew that this was going down and I wanted to start getting ahead of myself. So I'm watching the game. Look at this photo, uh, Joe. Can you see that clearly? Moderately. Okay, do you see where the black line is? Yes, it's the line of scrimmage. Look where so this is right here. That's Will Anderson. Okay, he got pushed 10 yards off the ball. My, my point is, my point is, is that Alabama, where they weren't as good as they have been, I think the only argument that you can make for, for, for Bryce is that he wasn't surrounded by last season the guys that normally are, he would be surrounded with at Alabama. But the thing is, against Georgia, against LSU, against Tennessee – he struggled pretty bad at times, really bad at times, against Texas. Now, the only game that you can say that he was clutch in is that he led them all the way down the field against Texas and scored. Mm -hmm. But that entire game in a big-time environment, Joe, every time he gets in big-time environments, every time, every time his team loses. Name Outside of the SEC championship game where they ultimately beat Georgia and then, then they, he plays Georgia again and they mm -hmm. get beat. The playoff games that he's played, look, against Cincinnati. I, I mean, I'm going to be honest. Uh, Sauce Garner and them boys were making Bryce look a little bit not like a Heisman Trophy winner. My point would be, my point would be, is I think it's a little bit closer of a competition than what anybody gives it credit for. Now, I say all that. Now I'm going to contradict myself. Okay. I don't like that C.J. Stroud played in the Big Ten and had those type of numbers, and I agree with you. Now, we talked during the season, and I agree with you. If Marvin Harrison Jr. wasn't wasn't in the game, he struggled. 
So he completed 73% of his passes. 73. Yeah. Do you want to know what that percentage would have been if when Marvin Harrison wasn't in the game? Take a while. 80. No, oh, no, what hadn't have been in the game? 50. If he hadn't have been in the game. 45. No, it's not that bad. 50. It's 63%. Oh. It's a whole 10% worse. Now, my thing would be is CJ also had some issues. Now, the ultimate thing, now, this is what I was told of why some teams around the league put CJ ahead, not just the height and weight. When Marvin Harrison Jr. went out of the game, okay, let me see if I can pull this up. When he went out of the game, he went to Mbuke, uh, uh, eight catches, 112 yards, and touchdowns. He started using his legs. He threw for 350 yards and two touchdowns. It wasn't him that blew that blew that game, okay? He did not blow that game versus Georgia. If you score 30-plus points against Georgia, you need to win, okay? So I think that there are some people around the league, due to Bryce's size, they feel as if that C.J. and him were comparable because both of them have shown when the lights, when the big lights come on, their teams don't win. I'm just telling you. Like yeah, so that that's what I agree with is that. So first of all, from watching the all twenty two of Bryce in those games that you mentioned, I really don't put the blame on him. I, I watch. There's the a lot of times against, where the interception against LSU in the first half is strictly on Bryce. The yes. one, the ones that he, uh, I think he had one against Tennessee that got called back. Actually, if you go back and watch, he had two that against Tennessee that got ultimately got called back. Yeah. Joe, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be truthful now. He he ha- he threw interceptions that he got lucky with. Do you remember the one? Remember the one against Tennessee where he had it was either a fumble or an interception, and they called a face mask on the opposite side of the field or hands to the mm-hmm. face. Mm-hmm. He's made those mistakes and gotten bailed out. Okay, yes. so He's got a lot of the Texas game is a good example when he should have remember the, the safety, the safety, and then it happened against Tennessee too. Right, like remember that against Tennessee. So don't tell me that he's making all like it's all on him or or, or, or that it's not his fault it's, because it's we not. go back to the Bill. O- well, we can go back to the Bill O'Brien discussion. Okay, Joe, they were running the ball at 150 to 170 yards per game on average. My my point is is that I took this very heavily into account when I was breaking down his film. So the two main games that I watched were LSU versus Tennessee. And dude, there is no separation from these receivers. Those no, receivers, I agree with that. Stunk. Agree they with were, that. they were, and this isn't hyperbole. They were probably one of the worst receiving cores in the SEC. And I don't think enough people talk about that. How bad, how awful those receivers were. They were not getting open. So, like, I was watching a ton of plays where I'm like, okay, what? The, where is Bryce supposed to go with the football here? The pressure's bearing down on him, and that offensive line was one of the worst offensive lines that Alabama's had. In the past decade, but, but it's not talked about enough. Where that, you say that, and I'm with you, and that's are boosted by Bryce getting the ball out and knowing how to get not rid of the ball and improvising. Because, because then you got to argue, what about the running game? There is a they schemed their run game very effectively. I no, put more, so, I give more ran, credit to Bill O'Brien than I give that offensive line an outside zone. But they, I give again, I give more credit to Bill O'Brien. Like they didn't, they did their job effectively and they ran the ball effectively. Mm, but I, I think I just believe I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't agree. I can't agree with that because 
Joe, when you have a quarterback that is getting that much, like literally that much success on the ground, that's not all scheme. What I what I think ultimately happened. Now, here's here's my opinion. Okay. That that Will Anderson uh photo I just showed you, both defenses failed those young men. They yes. failed them. Yes. Okay. Now, do you have a different thought about process about Bryce Young? I mean, about uh, Will Anderson when you have probably a fourth or fifth round offensive guard and tackle taking him to the woodshed against Tennessee and Alabama, uh, Tennessee and LSU? Like, brother, he got taken to the woodshed, and not only did he get taken to the woodshed, they carved a paddle that you had at school out of cedar and shined it up real nice, turned that son of a gun sideways, and you know what the rest of the story is. I think the defenses failed those two men more than what we can say the offense is. Joe, they threw for 40, he threw for 47 yeah. touchdowns. Yeah. I, I right? still I mean, don't – not to take us down off of a, a, a tangent on Will Anderson, I, I still don't look at Will Anderson that much differently. I still have him graded as – driven eight, 10 yards off the ball. But, like, you played on the offensive line. Like, even the if best players the get their asses overall, kicked. If I drive the number three overall pick 10 yards in the running game, he's ass. You were, I think, as an offensive lineman, this dude sucks. You were I'm at just, Southeast Louisiana, though. But like, if if you're Joe, at, it doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter if it doesn't matter what team or what school I play for. If yeah. the number th- Fletcher Cox, go ask Fletcher how that game went for him when he got double teamed the whole time. Okay, he played great. No, he did not. Oh, he did. Okay? Well, I mean, he broke me in half, but the, never, nevertheless. Well, then you, then you just them, my point is that if if you a lot of times, just because you're – like, even if you're the best player in the field, you're not going to win every rep. Even though some of the, the – You never get driven 10 yards off the ball in the running game. Never. And never. I, I, agree, I agree with that, but he's got all those other snaps under his under his belt. He can't do that again. I I look more – I think the big thing here, and this is why we disagree on Anthony Richardson, oh. is that I look more at the positives. I'm not bringing up Anthony Richardson again. Is I look a lot more at the – what are the highlights like and how often am I getting them? Yeah, and I, like, I, what don't are the do I don't want to see the highlights, right? Like, I don't want to. I want to see you when sh- when you sh- crud hits the fan. Okay, cool. see now that we're about to be on TV, Joe. I, I was about to say yes. a bad word, so you. I should get a round of applause for, for <laughs> not cursing. But when crap hits the fan, I want to see you in your toughest moments. But that's why I watched the LSU game for Bryce, and that's why I watched for CJ the Michigan game. Because I wanted to see both sides of the coin. And to how did CJ do versus Michigan this last this last season? He fit every description that I brought up earlier, where things were not opening up for him, and when they weren't, he made some really nice throws. He made some really nice plays. I think he showed some of those things in Georgia, where he extended the pocket, he threw on the run. There was one throw that I made note of where he he throws really easily running to the left, which is a very rare thing to get with some of these young quarterbacks. Right. A lot of guys can't do that. It looked like he was. Run it rolling out to the right or even in the pocket, how much it unaffected the trajectory of that throw. But what I got the most of is that Michigan dared him and like, hey, look, we're gonna lock up coverage. Go ahead, dude. Do what you can. If you're supposed to be this good, and you know, Ryan Day, well, if your offense is this right. good, and they blanketed us, they blanketed. So basically, they said run against us. They were not gonna let him yeah. throw. And, and and so, like, I don't take that against CJ, right? Like, so as an example, as an example. Like it was almost the opposite side at times for Bryce. 
brother, I, I will be true. They try to – I know for a fact that LSU went into that game and Tennessee went into that game trying to start their running game mm-hmm. because ultimately they thought that Bryce would turn the ball over and the tr- and truth be told, I, I mean, that first drive for Alabama against LSU is an example. He throws the, sp- the pick to C.J. Gardner-Johnson, okay? He does make good throws. And I, I think that we're splitting hairs a little bit, you know, but after it's the first overall pick, you kind of have to split hairs. But that was where I was going, right? You got to split the hairs. I just think there's one, and I say this all the time, and you disagree with me, but I just, I, I live by it. There's two stats that I look at religiously. You ready for them? Mm. Third down efficiency is my number one overall stat. It's a good it one is, to look it at. Is the, it is the biggest stat to me in all of football, right? It is just one thing that I can't, if you're, if you're converting on third down, you have a good quarterback, okay? There, I, I don't care if he's a pocket manager or a game manager or whatever. He's good, okay? Like, I could make that argument for Stetson in 21, okay? They were the number one team in the country on third down efficiency, offensive and defensively, and they've been in the top three. Georgia's been in the top three offensive and defensively when they've gone in the run. You know who else was the number one team in the country nine times out of ten on third down conversions when they won national titles? Clemson and Alabama. So when I go down this long tangent, this long list of national champions, and I say, okay, well, their their offense was number 12 and their defense was number eight. Okay, so that's still pretty good. But what did they lead the country in? Oh, third down efficiency rate. You know what else these quarterbacks had in common? You ready for them? The, mm-hmm. the ones that translated easier and quicker. Outside, and, and don't get me, well, what about Josh Allen? Because that's different, right? Like, that guy, that guy's wide receiver is now working at the wo- local Waffle House, okay? So spare me on the Josh Allen comparison. Here are some of the quarterbacks that had higher than 65% completion percentage in college, actually over 68%, that now look at and how it's translated into the NFL. And the ones that had the better college accuracy have, have been the better quarterback through their historic the his, history of their career. You ready? Joe Burrow, <laughs> Baker Mayfield was below the uh 65%. Okay? okay. When it came to team, like if and I don't want to have to go into semantics and, and, and play through that, but he did get accurate. Jalen Hurts was another. So when you look at just some of the 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 recent quarterbacks, like the most recent quarterbacks, they have a very high completion percentage rate in college that I think translates. Buddy, the simple fact for me that C.J. Stroud had 72 and 73% when, quite honestly, like you mentioned, his wide receivers at times would get locked up like they're Akon. I'm locked up, won't let me out. It's too, a little too young. You're a little too young. For yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Okay. But locked up like Akon, okay, when Bryce was fed with that same scenario against Tennessee, Alabama, Texas, okay, let's give Texas their due, okay, and other teams – he struggled more than CJ, and I think when you split those hairs, okay, when you when when the bottom when the bottom line occurs, when you split those hairs, which quarterback was better in crunch time? And and I will tell you, and I mentioned to start off the segment, and I mentioned in the top of the show that same text that I sent you about Carolina going and making a package to get the number one overall pick. It's not only it's not only what Carolina talks about. I know it's what the Bears went through. I know for a fact it's what te- the Texans have gone through. And they're all saying the same thing, Joe, because now that analytics are so big in sports, what are the common traits with all of these dudes? Number one, they convert on third down. And number two, how high is that accuracy percentage? 
Joe, we would never, we wouldn't have, you know, you know what the biggest thing with me about Anthony Richardson and you brought him up just a second, just really quickly, is how low that percentage is. Okay. You don't make thousands and thousands of strides and leaps on accuracy more than people think that you do. Okay. When you have quarterbacks that are that accurate at the top level in college, Joe, I will tell you, name another, name another team that's going to have actually 10 guys drafted. Actually, let's call it what it is. It's more like 25 guys drafted on a Georgia defense. I mean, you are playing an NFL roster at that point. Okay. Yeah. Like, you, like, I mean, Jalen Carter is going to be one of the best defensive tackles in the league. Okay. I just get to a scenario where, for me, I'm going to take the guy that converts more on third down and and is able to able to extend the drive. But if I had to end up with Bryce Young, okay, if I had to end with Bryce Young, I know that we have a chance to win a Super Bowl. If that if, so, if that makes sense, right? Like I'm, it's so close. Like if I got Bryce Young, fantastic. But I don't want to feel like I'm pooing on him because I'm yeah. Really, but it's just those small little things that I think you got to split hairs on to where I think I like C.J. Stroud a little bit more. Now, last point for me. There is some concerns about C.J. Stroud off the field, okay? Personality. And, oh, oh, oh we, we talked about this. We talked about this. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah Okay, yeah, so there are some issues with C.J. Stroud off the field. Now, does this change because some things more come to light? Maybe. But Bryce Young is the dude that is going to breathe, sleep, poo-poo, okay, football. And for that reason, for that so all that crap I just talked, all that crap I just talked, I I could see Bryce Young being uh, uh, the number one guy on people's boards. But sometimes, man, when you got to make decisions and you want to win now, if you're if you're if you're Tepper, I don't know. I think both these guys, that's the main point here, is that I don't think these aren't the most talented quarterback prospects we've had come out in the past five years. I think that I think Joe Burrow had more of an immediate impact and will have daddy around here. Yeah. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence was a more talented player. Dude. But what you're at least getting with both these Trevor guys, Lawrence was one another one of those guys, though, Joe, to, yes. to really interrupt you. He was another one of those guys when you talk from an accuracy standpoint that went over that 68% completion threshold. Right, and so exactly. again, you're talking about you know who else did in this last season? This is gonna blow your mind. It blew my mind when I saw his name on this list. And they're talking about last season production. Guess who was who? Guess who was also on that list? James Hurts. Of guys who had high completion percentages. Yes, and so what? What like PFF does when you go to a complete like actual completion percentage? They mm -hmm. take out the drops and they put things in there. Okay. Bryce Young last year was 64%. He was 64.5%, and he was at 66.9% the year before. It dropped drastically, okay? And you could say, well, Blake, it's only four percentage points, okay? Well, it's massive when you come to extending drives. Joe, Alabama was one of the worst teams on offense. When throwing the football, they were one of the worst. Like, literally. I'm not making that up. But that, that's the point is that why Bryce, I think, elevated the circumstance of the situation that he was dealing with. And the, the thing that I look at here, why, again, very tight race between both these guys. I think more than anyone in the class far and away, which we can sit here and talk about in full, full depth, they can step in right away and have a strong rookie season. And then by their second year, 
I believe that both of these guys can lead the Carolina Panthers to a playoff in a very bad division. But a lot of the stuff that you said, I, I like, I get the, the wanting to use the, the third down completion percentage. Those things are important to look at for a quarterback. And I don't think they're looked at enough, but we have to also con consider the context here. I put more stock in the performances and the stats that Bryce Young has because, as we talked about here, played against Georgia multiple times, and that whole oh, SEC schedule. Oh, well, yeah, he played him twice. Played him twice. The whole schedule that he played throughout his career is up against NFL DBs, NFL edge rushers. He played a very, very difficult I mean, set of but, schedule, but and CJ Stroud though did not. Um, he played a couple difficult teams, but like, dude, beating up many, on Northwestern. How many, how many DBs? from Iowa, Illinois, that nobody knows Penn State? I, I don't say that right now. I, I'm going to give you a hot take. You ready? Here's wait, wait. wait. Is, is, is SEC Blake giving the Big yeah. Ten credit? Okay, so so hot take. You ready? Okay. I, I think that the SEC has had a little bit of drop when it comes to defensive backs. I'm just talking, like, in general defense. No, no, no. I do agree with that in general. Because look at the, the the corners in this class. The, the, all the well, top last, ones class are, two. last class, too. Last class, too. Sauce Garner from where? Cincinnati. And, and this year's Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. Joey Porter from Penn State. Clark Phillips from Utah. Uh, Keely Ringer from the Georgia. Only one, the only one that you can make the bones about. I think that uh, would you – now let me ask you this question. Is this overall consensus the best DBs in this draft from the SEC or Emmanuel Forbes and Eli Ricks? No, the consensus is that Keeley's the Keely Ringo is the top SEC. Okay, quarter. well, uh, again, Keely Ringo is not better than some of those dudes in the Big Ten, brother. I, I'm just gonna I, yeah, and he's I, not. He's a, and Devin he's Witherspoon's gonna get picked before him, right? By so, the way, uh, by the way, Eli Ricks is like really low, low down. Well, very he's, low down. Well, he's shown what kind of a human being he'd be. But see, look, everybody says that I'm an SEC bias, but when it comes to DBs, shit. God dog it. Sorry. But who who would have thought? Who would have thought though? On this show, I'd be sitting here propping up the SEC and saying that the talent, <laughs> and you're sitting here defending the the Big Ten talent. That's, no, I no, no, I know. no. Look, he, like I said, now I did say this earlier. Yeah, Bryce played a, a a more difficult schedule. Like, let's not yeah. make bones about it. Okay, yeah. but when everything's equal, okay, meaning you have a clean pocket. You you got to go through your progressions. CJ is more accurate than what Bryce Young is. I and, just have less evidence of that though. That's why, like, I'm I'm not so put in eager the, put to put in the LSU game, buddy. We've had we have multiple games. We have multiple games of Bryce Young being below fifty or, or below or right at fifty percent completion percentage. And again, I think the context of the situations that he was dealing with, with the lack of receiver talent and help, and the the well, then what's the excuse for twenty twenty one when he had two first round picks? It's a good point. It's a good point. He he should have been more consistent. He should have had and should have. And finished. You know who was more consistent and nothing changed? CJ. But he's playing with Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, uh, Marvin Harrison. Last year he was, no, he, and then no, this he year completed he is, ninety against Georgia when Marvin Harrison Jr. went out. He completed ninety-two percent of his passes. But like the, all the other information that we have on, I, I did hear. Heard. I I did hear what you said. All of this year, he was throwing to two NFL first-round picks, Anabuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. When they were on the field, so like I and he had blocking for him. Paris Johnson Jr., who's a first-round pick, Luke Whipler, who's a second-round pick, and Dewan Jones, who's probably going to be a second or a third-round pick. So, like, the help and the support, Bryce didn't have any of that. 
There was a did the year before, and he still folded against Georgia. Those are true. Uh, a redshirt freshman. Fold, hey, here's here's a hot take for you. What about A and M, and not last year, but 2021? I and this is another thing that it, we go. It, talk, all, go it all goes back to Anthony Richardson on like what you and I have different viewpoints on is that like I also take heavy, heavily into account that it was Bryce's first season, and when things got difficult, it was yes, also CJ's. CJ also lost to Oregon his first year, and he played poor, really Bryce bad that game. Some people said that he was going to get benched. Second. Who's the Who's the better Who's the better team in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two and now Oregon or A and M? In twenty twenty one, it was A and M was better than Oregon in twenty twenty one. Oregon was bad in twenty twenty. They were they made it as far as they did, but they were very overrated. Oregon, they weren't, and then they still. You mean to tell me that Jimbo's going to scheme something up to beat Oregon? No. Come on, yo! That twenty twenty one Texas A and M team was beating is beating Oregon. Absolutely, is beating that. No, that Oregon they're, no team. they're not. Name a player outside of Devin A chain that they had. Haynes King. Uh, <laughs> to to round up my point though, no one's ever questioned if Bryce Young is the starting quarterback. We did that really quickly with CJ Stroud. We did that really quickly. A lot of people said, "Is CJ should they bench CJ?" And they almost did. Hope. That was okay. It was a debate. It was a legit debate when they lost to Oregon. They're like, "Wow, Justin Fields is gone. Is this what the next next guy up is?" He played a really bad game against Oregon. That was Oregon one of his more difficult matches. Ohio State, A and M. I mean, whatever. Okay, let's transition. Let's talk about yeah. some more quarterbacks, though. That was a good debate. I liked it. Yeah, but let's let's transition here to another quarterback. Uh, you want to tell our good friends though about Dylan Raiola? I mean, not Dylan, Dylan Raiola. <laughs> not our, about our good friends over at Bet Online. I wonder if you can bet on where Dylan Raiola goes. But you can obviously now bet on who you think the first overall pick is going to be, and the odds heavily have shifted for C.J. Stroud. If you still like what my argument is, and you want to lean Bryce Young, now's the time to do it. And you want to go to BetOnline.ag, which has all those odds. Maybe you want to be crazy. Put some money on Anthony Richardson. Be a, a, a total nut and do it. I full, fully encourage it. And you can do that at betonline.ag, which has not just those odds. I last draft put so many different bets on all the different picks. It's really fun. Makes it a lot more exciting. Uh, makes it very fun. And if you're paying attention to this show, you know who the best players are. So betonline.ag. Use promo code BELIEVE50 to get that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. When you say when the game starts, it gets me every time because I'm always betonline.ag. Anyway, um, <laughs> so Dylan Raiola, the 2024 number one overall player consensus on on three rivals, all the two, four, seven, all of it. He's number one quarterback in the country, number one player in the country out of the state of Arizona. Joe, there's been a lot of talk. So he, speaking of Ohio State, he was committed to Ohio State and he decommitted. <clears throat> it's over. He's not going. No. It's over. He's going to Nebraska. You want to know how I know? Oh, I know how you know. How? His dad was an All-American <laughs> center there. And, but here's the funny thing. Here's but, the really funny Donovan, thing about it. Donovan yes. Raiola is the primary recruiter for him. Right. So that's what I was just going to bring up is that you pull up the 24-7 sports and it always tells you who was the coach that was recruiting him. And I talked about this with Matt Sims on the, the first team show when we broke this down is like, you kind of have a leg up when the guy who was throwing you the football around when you were a little kid is the guy who's recruiting you. Correct. He's going to Nebraska. 
He needs to go to Nebraska. I would love it if he went to Nebraska. Well, he doesn't need to go to Nebraska. Nebraska needs him to go there. Okay? Yes. So, let me just mention this. If and 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 look, I have no, I have no ties to Dylan Raiola whatsoever. I've never talked to him. I've never talked to his camp. I, I don't know the kid. Don't know. Don't go to Nebraska until you see what happens this season. Okay, because Joe, they've been such a dumpster fire that now maybe can if they get that kid in there, can they get him an NIL deal? Who knows. Maybe it is what Nebraska needs to start changing the guard. And I can make the argument he is what they need to change the guard and to start getting back to their winning ways. But, man, it's just so hard for me to get on this Nebraska train, okay, that Nebraska's back when, Joe, they've been so bad for so long, right? Like, I mean, can we – can we just for once wait for them to win some football games before we start asking if they're back? Like at least at minimum. They're worse in Texas when it comes to that, by the that's way. My, that's my point. And look, their fans are the most loyal fans on the face of the, of the, face of the earth. Very when, pleasant, well, too. Very pleasant. And, you know, we're getting a debate, and they were like, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings, sir. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, have you ever been on Twitter before? Well, Matt Sims talked about how his brother – uh, Chris, who played at Texas, he brought up on the show that he was stunned. Chris was stunned by running out onto the field and the fans were like, good luck, Chris. Have a good game. And it's it's so it, it's jarring how polite the fans are. But I, I, honestly, like I root for Nebraska to be better than Texas. Like I, they are more deserving of them being successful than a team like Texas. But I, I get where you're coming from, that they have. They were only a dumpster fire, though, under Frost. Because under Polini, they were at least competitive. I agree with that. I agree. And they fired Polini. They got rid of Polini. It was so dumb. So dumb. So stupid. Now, who was before Frost, though? It wasn't Polini. I need to look this up. Yes, it wasn't wasn't Polini. Mm -mm. I could have sworn that it was was, was Polini. No, it wasn't Polini. It was somebody else. Um. Oh, it was Mike Riley for two years? Yeah, Mike he Riley. He was twelve and fourteen in those two years. They've so here's my thing about Nebraska. They had they have been so bad in their front office of the athletic department that you're gonna you know. And I'm not a Matt Rule fan. I, I I'm the, I'm not a big Matt Rule guy. But if they can get the number one overall player in the country, okay. Joey's going to have to go in there and start immediately. They're mm-hmm. going to have to get him weapons. Now, I will say this. Now with NIL being more prevalent, they can get back to winning ways. They got it. Like, so for people who don't know in our industry, the number one message boards on 247 and on three from a money perspective, guess where they're out of? Nebraska. Yes. They most of them one website, if I'm not mistaken, I was told that had like seventy five thousand subscribers. Okay, that is ridiculous. Insane. They are the they are so loyal. They are just top notch, and I hope that they do get back because it's better when Nebraska's back. Is Dylan Raiola the the hat, is is he the guy that we're going to put our hat on to bring him back? They need so much more than just him. 
Mm-hmm. Would it be a, a step in the great a great direction? Yes. Is his was it is Donovan his brother or cousin? Uh, the, the 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 office uh, uh, He is his uncle. Okay, so I mean, a blood uncle, first uncle, brother's brother. Yes, you know, like I mean. Yes. So I mean, do I think he's going to Nebraska? Yes. Is it a massive pull for them? Yes. All of that stuff. Okay, but I do worry for the kid going there because I mean, who, Joe, the best production that they've had offensively have come from transfers from the SEC. You had Trey Palmer this year, who, by the way, shout out to Trey Palmer. I, we coached him and uh, my cousin coached him in high school baseball. That's great. He ran a four three three. Joe, he was below average at average at LSU in the SEC. He goes to Nebraska and he's their superstar. They're going to have to continue to get better on the offensive side of the ball. Weapons, offensive line. Is Matt Rule even doing that, in your opinion? I think that Matt Rule can be the guy, and it's one of the things that we talked about on this show when that hire was made, and we did like a full deep dive on him. I'm optimistic because he is a a guy who turns programs around, and the the programs that he led weren't blue blood blue blood programs. They weren't big premier programs like Nebraska, and it's kind of funny you fail your way into a position like this too. Well, that's true too. That's true, but my question would be, do any of these kids, like, so, I mean, how are you, 24? Yes. Do you ever remember Nebraska being relevant? I remember when, under Bo Pelini when they were, again, competitive and they were a nine-win bowl team that would always occasionally yeah, shock had, somebody. Yeah, like, and uh, Prince of Mukamara. I mean, they had some dudes. Yeah. Defense. They, now, I'll tell you this, man. Bo had some dudes on that defense now. He did, and I think that that is really good proof that if you have the right recruiter in place, which is Matt Rule, that they can be that talented on the defensive side of the football. I just think that this would be great for the landscape of college football, for not only Nebraska to be back, because under Rule, there's not a debate if, if they're going to be competitive again. I really do think it's a, it's a guarantee that they will be a good competitive program. But getting a guy like Dominic Rayola, which some people say, like, this is a Trevor Lawrence-type prospect. This is a guy who steps in right away and is that impactful right away. A Bryce Young-type guy that can be an immediate impact player. Bryce Young wasn't immediate. My point is is that Young doesn't take – he's not going to take until his third year to get onto the field. This is a really, really good player. And I know that we we, we moan about Quinn Ewers not being that good. Uh Quinn Ewers (laughs) – Quinn Ewers was considered to be one of the highest ranked prospects oh, to come and out. He's dookie water. Well, that's the two sides of the coin. But I, I think that Rayola ending up at Nebraska at a program with a fan base that is passionate is so big for the Midwest and for that football um, territory. They need someone like Dylan Rayola to step in and, and, and be the face of the Big Ten. And I... I really do believe that a good Nebraska team is more exciting for college football than a good Michigan team. I really do. And that's what oh, I want. I don't agree with that. You don't? Mm-mm. Give me Michigan being better than Nebraska's in the middle of, I mean, it's like the armpit of America. Yeah, so is Michigan. No, Michigan's got some things. I mean, dude, Michigan's Detroit. got Detroit. Like, you got, I mean, they're the, they're the, what is it, the, the vehicle capital of the world? I mean, they make more, more vehicles than Elon Musk. But you know, what, what? I mean, come on, man. That's a, they got corn in Nebraska. That's exciting. Yeah, and I, I, listen, rain makes corn, and corn makes whiskey, and corn makes my baby feel a little frisky. But just because it makes does all those things doesn't mean I want to go out to 
BFE Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know, man. I, I don't like it for the kid. I know that his uncle's there. I know that he's a legacy and I, I get all that, but I think he just needs to entertain everything that he's doing. Now I will tell you Matt rule to his credit, even though it's aggravating to watch him on Twitter, he is recruiting at a much better level than Scott Frost and even Bo Pelini did. So Absolutely. I think that they will. I think that they will win some football games, right? Like I think that they can't. That I mean, I think that they can win and get to a place where they're an eight, nine, ten win team, maybe. But taking that next step, does Dylan Raiola take them to that next step? I don't think that they, that he can take them to that next step. That's just my opinion. I just don't think they have the infrastructure at the current moment with the AD's office and NIL and all that kind of stuff to be able to take that next level now. But he's one of those recruits like Arch that a lot – and you already seen – you're already seeing – yeah, you're, you're already seeing this where there's all these articles not about Dylan Rayola but recruits talking about Dylan Rayola. And I really think he's going to be one of those guys that just pulls a bunch of really talented kids with him to where he goes. That's like the big rallying point of why you need to get this kid to not only commit but commit early because then you, you get yeah, him in place – you don't let him out the door. You give him as much damn money as the kid asks for. This is an investment. There are not a lot of quarterback recruits that come along like a Dylan Rayola that will pull as much attention to your program as him. So I would pay him, keep doubling whatever somebody else offers. I know that's an exaggeration, but just keep giving this kid money so he doesn't think that he wants to go somewhere else. Is there a more aggravating coach on Twitter than Matt Rule? Mm-hmm. I admittedly, I mean, I don't follow him. I haven't really seen him on Twitter. Why? What does he do? He's like posting all these emojis. Now you got to go far a little ways to find it. But he like posts all these emojis. and I kind of like that. Wait, let's see. He does a lot of retweeting. He does a lot of retweeting. He does a lot of retweeting. But he like always posting like these emojis like beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep. And I'm like, what are you even, like, what are you even talking about? Look, we'll see. I, I mean, they do have uh, – and Matt Rule has, you know, changed some things around there mm-hmm. for the better. So, we'll just – I think we're just going to have to wait and see. I'm just not a, I'm just not a massive fan of his. I've never to, – to be real with you, Joe, I've just never been a massive uh, massive fan of his. I, I've always thought he was a flake a little bit. Now, he's a tough guy, head coach, and maybe he can get him to play tougher. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. All right. Yep. We have uh, well, we have our mailbag uh, segment. So fire inside your mailbag questions right now. Do it. We have no mailbag questions. Fire in your questions what right now. What are we doing now. here? These guys. Yeah, what are we doing? Firing we, questions for us. We know people are listening and watching this show. It's not right. like we've got two people tuning in every week. What do we? No questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did you did get one or two. What 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 you want to start? The the one question I did get um was how high we think that Wisconsin is going to finish in the Big Ten. I think that they could get to the Big Twelve championship game because their division stinks. It absolutely does, and that, like that's a good Wisconsin team is actually a above average, slightly above average Wisconsin team is good enough to get to the the Big Ten championship. We've seen some pretty lame Wisconsin teams get to the Big Ten championship game and get the doors blown off of them. I mean, Purdue made it last year with Aiden O'Connell made it made it there last year. So Aiden wasn't that bad. Hey, you know what Aiden is though? He's better quarterbacks than what we've seen at Wisconsin. 
That's true. And now they got Tanner Mordecai, future Heisman Trophy finalist, Tanner Mordecai. But I, to your point, I think that dude, you're so high on him. I'm not that high. That was a joke. But I I think no, it's good. I think he's a good player. He's not. Why don't you think he's a good player? He's got the stats to prove it. He's got the performances to prove it. In the Rudy Pooh conference of what? The American. Yeah. Okay. So what did SMU do against Power Five opponents? Nothing. Okay. So. Spare put, me. Put him on a big. Uh, put him on a Power Five roster on a good Power Five roster with a good head coach. I think the kid succeeds. We got I one question. I just think he's average. I, I can be honest. I think that. Well, you, you just need average probably, to win games, though. Sometimes they've ne- they haven't had average. Graham Hurts was very below average. That's true. And then now he's at Florida. Sun Belt Billy. Um, I agree. And and Joe, I'm with you. I, I just think that they can get to the Big Twelve champ a Big Ten championship game because that division is just so freaking bad. Um mm. uh, they do play Ohio State, I think, I believe, which I think is ultimately going to give them a loss, but they don't have to play like the tougher opponents. Um so yeah. So yeah. Uh Roderick inside the track, Roderick Duga says, Who do you think will win the Texas and Bama QB competitions? Now we talked about Texas. Who do you think Oklahoma wins that? And then we'll we'll go to Alabama because we did talk about that. Yeah, I think it's that's got to be Quinn Ewers a little too soon for Arch. Alabama for me, I, I think it's Ty Simpson. I, I think Jalen Milrow serves a purpose and he's a great athlete. He's a great, great athlete, but we know it's a lot of the stuff that we talked about today. It's Anthony Richardson. He's no, he is because he doesn't have nearly the arm talent of Anthony Richardson. He's also you a lot. Him, you, didn't see him throw, you didn't see him throw the ball um, flat-footed 75 yards before in pregame? I, I, I don't put a, I don't know how much. Wait, has he actually done yeah. that? Yeah, he did that. I need to see that. Okay. Go I don't think he's – I think Anthony Richardson's a much talent, more talented player, but the accuracy is far more concerning than what I saw from Anthony Richardson. So I think it's Ty Simpson, as we've talked about a lot on this show, fits more with what Saban likes as a quarterback. Agreed. Traditional pocket-style quarterback, and that's what you're going to get with Ty Simpson. Um, I'm going to go Ty Simpson, too, but I'm going to be hesitant. I'm going to put an asterisk next to mine. Here's why. They're getting back to running the football. Okay? They want to get back to running the football. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Let's see what they do with Jalen Milrow. But a lot of people think that, you know, because Jalen Milrow goes in pregame and, and does warm-ups with the wide receivers too. So let's see if there's a scenario here uh, where he does that. Um, Ryan says, who do you think will win the QB battle at Georgia? I I want to say Vandergriff because – but Carson Beck, it's confusing. This one's like really I have absolutely no idea because I feel right. like I've got three guys that are all the same guy. There is no difference because they've recruited the same four or five-star kid for the past couple of years. So you've got three guys with Carson Beck, Brock Vandergriff, uh, and I don't even know the name of the third guy off the top of my head, but the, I, I want to say that it's probably going to be Vandergriff. I feel like Vandergriff makes more sense. He was the more highly recruited kid. Uh, I'd like for him to be be the guy, but again, they're all the same. So it's it's kind of like a futile debate because you're getting – a slightly different guy if it if it's not the one that you end up picking. Gunner Stockton is the third the third in that, uh, in that third debate. They all have corny um, names too. They like they don't have like normal names. <laughs> no, they have very Georgia Georgia yes. Peach names. Yeah. I'm from Georgia. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go Carson Beck. I think that it shows a lot when Vandegrift's been there for two years and when they took Stetson Bennett out, they always went Carson Beck. 
there's a lot of rumors and interesting thoughts that Vandegrift has a very tough time picking up the offense. So yeah. for that reason, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Carson Beck because he has some more experience and he has a couple touchdowns. Part part of me though just thinks not to take this too too long. Sometimes when we have these circumstances, that the better backup quarterback doesn't always end up being the like Kirby I might trust that. him as the backup, I but has the upside for Brock to not be pressured. And wants him to get more comfortable with but what Beck you're saying. Beck just looks so good in that national title game too. I, he's got a big arm, man. Yeah, he's got a really big do. arm, and he's highly accurate. He's highly do. accurate with a big arm. Yeah. Um, Jason Brumfield, your favorite listener, uh, says hashtag Ask Blake with UGA having a new quarterback. Who's your sleeper in the SEC East to potentially knock them off? I'm going Tennessee. By the way, Jason, uh, I was looking forward to your your Brian Kelly comment today. The streak has been broken at the top of the show. We didn't get that today. Uh, his question, though, I was so distracted by trying to find what is um, if he, if he was trashing you. Yeah, uh, would you super in the SEC East to potentially knock them off? I think there's only one team, Joe. I think the only team that you th- that can really knock them off. Like take their mantle as the SEC East champs is Tennessee. I don't I think was, there's anybody else. I was gonna say Tennessee as well, but I just I don't know if that's necessarily a sleeper because of how good they were. But I will concede I do think that that Tennessee makes the most sense. I don't believe anyone else has recruited effectively enough, developed their roster enough to compete and be a legitimate sleeper. Uh, Michael Campbell says, has anyone in the SEC media or fans have breakdowns of Notre Dame wide receivers room talent? Why would we do that? Makes absolutely no sense for our, us to break down Notre Dame. Or do you just look at stats versus potential and skills set like you do on your own teams? I don't know what that means, Joe. Let's just get to the next question. That's a, a leading question. It's a very leading question. Uh, Roger says, who do you think uh, LSU will start at DB this season? Joe, do you want to take that one since you know LSU so well? <laughs> who do you think is going to – I I don't know who their, I, I, their current corner Interesting, when we went out to practice the other day, the four-star, former five-star. So this is – so so you, you want to hear inter- something interesting? Yep. Of the last 12 five-stars that LSU has got committed, okay, just committed, did you know that only four of them have remained five stars throughout the years? Like of the last like three or four years? Really? Only four of them. Jalen Brown, the wide receiver out of Miami, was a five star. He committed to LSU the next day. They dropped him. Uh, Shelton Sampson for a while was another. Um, so, I mean, they've done that a couple of times. Deshaun Womack was a guy that yep. they did that, but they brought him back up because you couldn't deny him having 30 sacks in a season. Okay. Um, DB room, I, I, JB and Taviano, the freshman star. I'm going to go Denver Harris. I think Zy Alexander, Deuce Chestnut, Roger. That's where I'm going to go, uh, as of right now. Um, all right, we'll get to, we'll get to this. Let, let's make this our last one. Ryan Mayer says, you think Tennessee freshman quarterback, what's his name again? I don't know how to say it anymore. Nico, I am Oliveira. QB will, uh, from this recruiting cycle, will go, Will cycle be good down the line? Yeah, I think it'll be good down the line. He's a little too thin right now. Yeah, that that's why I think he is in the quarterback competition debate. But I think ultimately Hypel is going to say, "Let's let's get you in the dining hall. Don't leave the dining hall until you're 220 pounds because he's tall. Like this is a big, yeah, he's big like, what, kid, six, 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 seven or something like that. He's he's massive. yes, and he's he might even still be growing. Like he's a big, goofy, lanky looking kid, and he needs oh, to so get he's to- you. 
Me? I'm not big. What are you talking? I'm five eleven. I'm barely five eleven. I'm like five ten and three quarters. That was little. What is- Girls don't date don't date guys under six foot. I have a girlfriend, so I don't know what we're I was also told that I couldn't get a, a a girlfriend by telling or I couldn't pull girls by telling them I was a long snapper. You'd be surprised how well that works in college. It actually works a lot better than you think it does. Um, but Nico Ayamalavea, uh, I think is extremely talented. I, I think that he not only is going to be a good starter, but I think he could be a star in the SEC. I think that he could be a, a highly drafted kid because it has all the traits. It's just, can he put it all on the table? He could have been the top rank recruit this this cycle, but we were getting really excited over over Arch Manning for no reason. All right, two more. I lied. Okay, I'll give you this one because I'll be biased in this one. I'm not gonna even. I'm not gonna even answer it. Uh, do y'all think LSU has the potential to win 11 uh, regular season games this year? I'm not answering it because I want you to go. Yeah, I think that 11 is on the table without looking at their schedule right now. I'm sure that you have like a full deep dive done on their schedule at some point already. You've probably looked at it front to back. But yeah, the only thing for me, I think that's interesting, Joe, do you know the only two teams since 2015, uh-huh. 2015, that have in the SEC that have gone on back to back road games in the conference? There's only two teams that have won both of those games. 2019 LSU, 2022 Georgia. So when teams go on back-to-back road trips, they usually split it. And normally normally it's around the entire – all of college football. Yeah. It's an interesting stat that betters don't tell you about. Um, I think that they could, but I'm going to let you answer. Yeah, I think that there's potential for it. It just – it's a difficult schedule that they play every single year, and there's a lot of difficult opponents that they have to beat. So there's no guarantee. But what makes things promising – is the returning players that they have. And I, I'm high on Jaden Daniels. I hope that that BK doesn't do the the goofy Deshaun Kaiser, Malik Zaire thing uh, w- with your guys' quarterback room because I, I feel like that I you kind of do randomly hear or see that sometimes. But I think that Jaden Daniels is looked so good at the end of the season, and if he takes that step forward, they could be very hard to beat. Very, very hard to beat. Adam B says, do you think Marcus Freeman can beat teams like Yes, 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 stop. Yes, yes. I mean, you did call – I mean, I think it's a fair question. You called him for, for him to be fired after that game, Joe. I mean, it's not like – it's not – But I was – I was – You were drunk just, uh, well, and emotional? I, yeah, I justifiably. I thought I was getting – that was the biggest, most emotional roller coaster of the day. I thought I was getting a long, longhorn tattoo on my ass because I made a stupid bet. I was so <laughs> stressed by that. And then to turn over and watch the next game and watch your team lose to Marshall, it's a long day. I, I don't think he's the answer at, at that at that coaching position. I really don't. Michael Campbell says the narrative about Notre Dame and the SEC narrative is that there's no receivers or deep threats for 2023 Notre Dame wide receiver room under Marcus Freeman era. Just curious. I, I think for me, and I think the draft proves this, um, they're just teams like Alabama, Tennessee, LSU. I mean, LSU literally has the two guys that shattered the the rookie NFL record. Like, I mean, did, hey, let me ask this question. Outside of Troy Brown, or let's not even do that, since 2000, does Notre Dame have receivers and the history of having receivers and recruiting like that, meaning like in-state recruiting, versus like what Alabama does in Julio Jones, and others, and what LSU has in Jamar Chase and Odell Beckham, and they, Justin. Jefferson. They don't the best. So 
they they really don't get any five star receivers. Um, the, and Calvin Ridley, like, the, look, I mean, the, Calvin the, Ridley's out of out, or maybe he's out of Florida. I don't remember. But I mean, these schools put these schools and, and programs put out far better receivers than than Notre Dame does, and that's not a shot. It's just a fact. Yeah, they don't have a history of doing it. And like Michael Floyd and Golden Tate are like the he best said players. Twenty twenty three. I know. Like, do y'all yeah. have? Let me ask you. Let me ask you this question: Do does Notre Dame have a, any elite receivers right now? I will say that the last recruiting cycle is probably one of the best receiver classes that they've pulled. Do you have an elite one? I can't point you out who that is, but okay, there are my- there are potential people that could turn into be very talented receivers. That, but th- potential doesn't win you games. You need to have actualized talent, as we say a lot on the show. Great show, Joe. Yes, sir. All right. We're back Monday. Till then, we're going, going. Are you trying to – are you intentionally right. frozen? I, you? I was frozen <laughs> to see what you do. And you it took you You were twitching. Like, you were twitching. I oh, saw they were – Okay. All right. All right. Peace out, Girl Scouts. Uh,